I'm just going to open us up in a word of prayer, and then we're going to get into uh, Discipleship Night. Um, uh, Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time together. We pray that you would uh, give us energy right now and uh, sharpen our minds, uh, that we would be able to um, follow your word, learn, uh, be discipled, um, and also, Lord, that we would uh, be sensitive to whatever uh, we are prompted by, uh, that we would uh, learn and grow. Uh, and that your grace would be upon us as we uh, in, embark to try to understand your word more accurately tonight. We pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. All right. So, unlike previous discipleship nights where you guys get handouts, this one, uh, you're not getting a handout. This is partially for two reasons. One, with this topic in particular, I have a tendency to get very technical. <laughs> and lest I was going to give you an entire page of just definitions and, and things like that, I decided to just throw the temptation away and not give you access to a handout, which will force me to not to just regurgitate definitions to you, but instead maybe communicate more plainly. Um, that being said, one of the advantages of the handout normally is you can kind of see where we're going. So what I'm gonna do now is I'm just gonna kind of give you a quick sketch of what we're gonna talk about. And then uh, hopefully that'll give you an idea of what we're gonna cover and when, if you have a question, you can ask that question. Um, so the first one we're going to do right now is just going to be a basic overview of why we do hermeneutics. Um, right, we're going to figure out why we're rightly handling God's word, why that's important. Um, then we're going to take a break, and then we're going to talk about the abuse of Scripture um, and ways in which uh, that is intentionally done or unintentionally done. Uh, then we're going to be talking about uh, defining the craft. So what is good sound hermeneutics, and then how do we at least begin to Use that for maybe one or two problem texts. Um, then we're going to talk about typology or shadows. Uh, and maybe it, it's kind of its own branch of hermeneutics, but it's, it's so dominant in scripture that uh, I want to spend a whole bit on it. Um, then BC is going to take us through uh, the epistle of 1 John. And he's going to uh, kind of walk us through not just the whole thing, but also like a particular problem text that is usually drawn out of that context. And he's going to apply some of the stuff we've been talking about to that uh, in particular. Um, and then the very last thing we're going to do is I'm just going to generally talk to you guys about the, uh, the practical growth of how do you take all that we've taken tonight and how do you go tomorrow and you start you know, applying that to your daily practice. Um, and that was, so we're going to talk uh, more specifically about that towards the end. So that hopefully gives you a, a quick sketch of what we're going to do. And... Uh, Calvin will be with us all night, so get used to that. Um, all right. So the first thing we're going to tackle is rightly handling the Word of God. So I guess session one, if you will. Um, and just to uh, kind of ground this in Scripture, uh, where, where these ideas are coming from, why we're doing what we're doing. Um, 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 15. Uh, Paul is writing uh, to Timothy, who, who's his student in the Word. And one of the things Paul uh, charges Timothy with... Um, he says, basically, ignore disputes, uh, ignore all this kind of nonsense that people are always bringing up. And then he says, verse 15, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. And so one of the things that, you know, the letter of uh, 2 Timothy, as we're going to talk about in a moment, it's important to know that it's written to Timothy from Paul, that that is an important grounding for understanding what he's getting at. But all Christians have this burden of responsibility for, for rightly handling God's word. And that is not just limited, that only was responsible, only Timothy was responsible for that and no other Christians need to rightly handle God's word. We're gonna talk about why that's a good way to use this text, but I just wanna ground our, at least intro, in 
this idea that scripture itself tells us that we need to be able to handle scripture well. And while throughout the entire history of the church, you know, if you were to go back uh, a thousand years, you might be less, uh, less responsible for knowing scripture well because there weren't freely disseminated copies of God's word. Because of the blessing and the privilege of living where we do today in church history, uh, we can go down to almost any store or any online bookstore, or we can go to Amazon and we can get ourselves a copy of God's word in whatever translation we want, and it'll show up either that evening or on our doorstep the next morning. And because we have that access to God's word, I think that the burden for us in this day is to be um, where we carry a greater responsibility than I think the people in the first four, five, six hundred years of the church had. Um, and that day was the scholars really who had the burden and the people who were supposed to be faithful. In today's day, that is still the case. That is still true. But uh, because of the blessing that we have to have access to God's word, I think we carry an additional burden of interpreting it rightly. And so the first uh, thing you might be asking is uh, what purpose does hermeneutics serve or what even is hermeneutics? And so hopefully, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use that word all throughout tonight. And basically, the, the simple way to say it is hermeneutics is the science or the art, if you will, of interpreting the text of Scripture. It's part science, part, part uh, you get a feel for it as you go. And the reason I don't want to strictly define it as a science is because um, most of you already practice hermeneutics on a regular basis. And even though you're not consciously aware of the fact that you're doing it, you intuitively understand maybe what's a good or a bad use of language or reasoning or understanding. So one of the things that is, the reason I don't want to define hermeneutics specifically as just a science, it's more of kind of on the art spectrum of things. We kind of get an intuitive understanding of how we do this on a regular basis. Hermeneutics generally, when we talk about it, is, is usually referring to scripture, but it's not, the, the discipline of hermeneutics is not something we only do when we read the Bible. It's something we do when you read a book. It's something you do when you text someone and they text you back and you're understanding what's going on. We're always practicing hermeneutics in some sense. So in, in that way, it's kind of an art. And many of you might not, just like when you use language, you might have an ear for what's a good or a bad use of grammar or syntax or vocabulary. In that sense, you don't necessarily call language a science of using language. And scripture is, is a written language. And so we're not going to call the interpretation of it down to like a scientific breakdown. Although in, in a very real sense, it's important that we don't say it's just some kind of art form that's loosey-goosey and doesn't have like strict parameters for how we understand it. So it's, it's kind of somewhere in between those extremes. Um, but, uh, so we're going to talk about like, what are those parameters? How do we do that? Um, but more specifically, uh, the reason hermeneutics is important, why it's important for us to understand this well, is because all of our theology, all of our understanding of God's word, and all of the church's uh, really understanding of who God is, what salvation is, all that stuff, it all flows out of hermeneutics. Unfortunately, because of, you know, how we've grown up in the church and kind of the age at which we live in, um, it's, it's uncommon for someone who's our age, who's grown up in the church for, for a long time, to know doctrine of God and usually the verse that that doctrine comes from, or the corpus of scripture where that doctrine comes from. And that's unfortunate. It's, it's better than not having doctrine of God at all, but it's better for us to understand that the church doesn't just come up with theology and then use scripture as a proof text for its theology. The church's theology comes out of the pages of scripture and, and flows out of uh, what is divinely recorded and preserved throughout the ages. This was so important that, you know, in the, in the 15th century, the church prioritized sola scriptura was the, the cry of the Reformation. And that was something that, you know, the church at that time was not a huge fan of because sola scriptura challenged some of the other teachings that they had built or added to the pages of scripture. 
And now there's a, there's a question, do we trust what scripture says or do we trust this inherited teaching that may or may not accord with scripture? And so today we would say, you know, as Protestants, we would say that scripture is the ultimate infallible authority for the church. And so it's important that we understand that our theology is derived from scripture and our theology has to submit to scripture at the end of the day. So if we read something in scripture and we don't like what it has to say, we can either ignore it and be disobedient to it, which would be sinful, or we could, we could submit our theology to what that thing has said. And that's often painful because humans like being right. And we like being right about things and telling other people that we're right about things. And so if we've ever done that in the past, you know, about a certain scripture, about a certain text of the Bible, or about a certain theological idea, and then we read scripture and it disagrees with what we've said previously, uh, we have a choice. We can either, you know, double down and be stubborn, or we can submit ourselves to what scripture says. And so the reason I'm saying this all on the front end is because tonight, as we're going to go through examples, what I, if, if you've ever read scripture before and you've, you've read an example and I use it as an example, what I don't want you to hear is, oh, you've misunderstood scripture and you're a terrible person and uh, never pick up a Bible again. <laughs> what I want you to hear is uh, it's okay to recognize mistakes and then learn what went wrong and how we can grow from that, right? It's important because even D.A. Carson, who writes uh, a book on just, he literally lists out like chapter after chapter of wrong way to interpret scripture. He talks about in the book frequently that in his previous ministry, and D if you guys know who D.A. Carson is, he's a really well-accomplished, well-written theologian. He'll talk about how in his earlier ministry, he committed some of these mistakes. Even in recent memory, he's committed some of these mistakes. And as he's writing the book, he's referencing himself as an example of what not to do. So it's important that we can have that kind of uh, attitude even with ourselves because we're not infallible, but scripture, in fact, is. Um, the good news about all of this, and it might seem like you know there's a lot of moving pieces right now, is that hermeneutics is not just some vague uh, concept for building theology. It's also something that's important for all of us to do on a regular basis. Um, if you want to grow in the Lord and in knowledge of him, you need to regularly and daily apply a lot of what we're going to be talking about to your Bible reading, and that'll help you with personal growth. And any and any kind of maturity and growth is going to come out of first a knowledge of God that then applied to your heart and applied to your life. You can't grow in the Lord or in knowledge of him if you don't know anything about him or know how to know things about him, right? It's going to be hard to grow in maturity if you're not regularly reading your Bible and applying that to your life. Second thing is, uh, in the world that we live in, uh, there's a, a huge swing against Christianity. There's even a swing against Christianity from within Christianity itself and a swing against scripture and a swing against God from people who would profess the name of Christ. And that's not even to mention all the people who would reject the name of Christ and also have it out for Christians. So knowing your Bible well uh, and being able to interpret it faithfully is going to be a safeguard against bad thinking, right? Something we talked about in previous discipleship classes was the, the burden of knowing scripture, knowing it so well that when, when you see false teaching, when you see heresy, you can smell it out and you can pick it out. And one of the ways in which you grow in being able to smell and pick out false doctrine is by regularly understanding and applying true doctrine and true interpretation of a text of scripture. So you'll be able to see that was used out of context. That's a bad argument. And you'll be able to articulate that and hopefully uh, engage someone in an in intellectual conversation and maybe uh, give them something to think about when they uh, put their uh, head to the pillow at night. Another thing that's important um, if you're committed to regularly growing, one of the things we're told to do as Christians is to gather regularly for worship. And so if you go to church on a regular basis, you hear, to pre you hear preaching on a regular basis, it's important that you can evaluate and follow that teaching soundly. And this is important because no teacher of God's word is infallible. And so all, of the, all teachers, all preachers, all pastors are prone to and eventually will make mistakes in some area or another. 
And your, your ability to believe God and trust his word cannot be only hitched to one other person that you follow and listen to regularly. And if that person is a sound teacher and you don't know one thing, you don't know one thing from another of sound doctrine and sound theology, you're not going to be able to follow what that person is saying. And so you're not going to be able to evaluate, is that a good or a bad argument? You're not going to be able to go home and see that for yourself in scripture. And so learning hermeneutics is one of the ways in which you can even, you know, pay attention better at church and start applying those things uh, to your daily practice. Also, if, if we take the Great Commission seriously, uh, teaching and preaching God's word, uh, we're, we're told that we're not only supposed to go out and proclaim the name of Jesus, but also we're supposed to disciple and train people in Christ's way. And so we have to know what that way is. And one of the main ways in which we train other people in the Lord is by showing them scripture and teaching them themselves how to access those riches for themselves. So if you learn this yourself, you can probably take a lot of what we're going to talk about tonight. And when you're discipling someone or you're opening up a Bible with someone, you'll have words and you'll have techniques or you'll have ideas of how to actually train them in how to read their own Bible better. So discipling people, it becomes important then. And then lastly, in reflecting on you know, the current state of the church and our generation of Christians, people leaving the faith and having really kind of wonky theology and not really being able to stand up to false teaching. Uh, we got to think about the next generation of Christians and how are we going to invest in them? And so that's going to be our children. That's going to be people we disciple. And so if we want to have a successful generation of the church rise up in, in the years following us, we need not only preachers and teachers to be faithful to God's word and teaching it soundly. We need every Christian to carry that load. And even, uh, you know, you might think, uh, well, this text in Timothy applies to Timothy. He's a pastor. And I'm not going to preach on Sunday in church. Uh, some of you might never preach on Sunday in church. Some of you should never preach on Sunday in church. Um, but if you're going to be a mom, you're going to need to train your children faithfully in the Lord. And that's important. And that's one of the main ways in which you teach someone sound doctrine so that by the time they're grown up and they're a young adult, they know sound doctrine because they've been trained in it from their youth. That's what happens in the case of Timothy. He's been instructed soundly by his mom and by his grandma. And so by the time Paul gets hold of him and is training him, he's just kind of reaffirming the teaching that he's already gotten. Paul's not really adding a lot of new things to him. He's reminding him of things he's already learned, not from a preacher first and foremost, but from his mom and from his grandmother. And so that's an important thing for training up even the next generation. So it applies not just to guys, but also to the women. And it applies not just to pastors, but also to anyone who's going to be uh, considered a follower of Christ. And then my concern chiefly, I suppose, is, is probably important to say, um, one of the things that's true about our age is we have access to innumerably, or innumerable good sound resources uh, that we can, we can read, that we can study, that we can listen to. And there's a blessing in that, which is that we have access to all these things at our fingertips. We can answer questions. Uh, one of the dangers in that is that we never really learn on our own uh, to stand up and to articulate what we believe and why we believe it. So it's not enough for us to, when we're discipling someone or we're, if someone comes to us with a really hard question about God or about life, it's not enough for us to say, uh, well, you read this, read this article that I read and it'll, it'll answer your questions. That could be a good supplementary resource we could provide for someone, but we need to be able to stand on our own two feet and answer questions that people have for us. That does not mean that we cannot defer to resources when we don't know the answer, but we should not default to other people and other resources and, and remove the burden of us knowing the answers to those things. Because um, as we go out in our workplace, if you have a coworker who asks you a question about God, they're very likely to hear your response if you answer it. They're a lot less likely to read a book that you recommend to them, especially if they have to buy it themselves. And, you know. So it's a lot better and it's a lot more accessible to other people who are non-believers if you can actually answer their questions yourself as a Christian. 
And so it's important that we can stand on our own two feet, even despite all of the amazing resources we have access to. It's also not enough for us to follow one good teacher and sit under one good preacher or pastor for our entire life. We also need to be able to, for ourselves, see why those things are true in Scripture. Paul uh, encourages the Bereans because they don't just listen to him, they also examine Scripture. Uh, and we need to consider that to be true as well. Because if you just examine like the top teachers, even if you were to narrow that scope down to reformed evangelical theology, there's points of doctrinal disagreement that all of them would disagree on. And so either you're going to just be a carbon copy of the person you listen to all the time, or you'll be able to examine and kind of pick and choose and evaluate the arguments of all of them. And that way you're, you're sharpening your own mind, you're sharpening your own skill set. None of us uh, would learn how to do anything just by observing and copy and pasting that into another scenario. We can, we can learn by observation, we can learn by uh, study and experience, but we need to really do a lot of these things ourselves to learn it and to, to uh, really understand it. Uh, the last uh, reason or the last concern uh, is that we're surrounded by poor theology everywhere. And one of the problems with poor theology, uh, especially within the church, is sometimes it's, it's so strange what gets said that we don't even really know how to begin to, to tackle or to work through some of the stuff that you might hear. You might, you know, have grown up with someone who's a believer and then you, you meet them five years later uh, or five years from now and they're so far uh, from where you thought they would be. And, and now the question is, are you going to be able to pick apart what they're saying and, and engage with it? Or are you going to be so confused, so upside down about what they're saying that it, it questions, it makes you question what you believe about scripture and now you're, you don't even know how to answer their questions? We're surrounded by that all over the place. We don't really live in a culture where people value careful thinking and sound theology well. And so it's, it's, it's kind of a countercultural thing for us to press in that kind of direction. So it's the desire that in our time together tonight that we um, are going to be made wise, but not just smart for being smart's sake. We want to be gracious as well with being wise. And the smarter you are and the better you understand a lot of these things and the better handle you have on a lot of these things, the better feel you have for when you can be harsh, when that's necessary, and when you can be careful and gentle and correct someone, right? If you don't know how to evaluate someone else's argument, but you know that they disagreed with something you've heard said before, you might be more likely to respond in a, in a visceral or antagonistic kind of way because you know what is true and you know that they didn't say the same thing and now you're upset with them, right? This is, is commonly seen in like uh, KJV only kind of circles. Um, where someone might disagree or misquote a verse from what the KJV says and someone else says, well, that's not what my Bible says. And then now there's a heated debate because two people are refusing to engage in like really high level intellectual conversation. And so you don't want to be the person who just knows what your orthodoxy is and you can't engage with anyone outside of you. So you don't just want to understand these things. You also want to understand them so that you can be gracious and so you can be kind and so you can engage with the world around you. Um, and maybe the last thing to say on this is uh, whatever is said here and whatever we talk about here is not uh, license or permission to uh, go into a Bible study group or go listen to a church service uh, and then go right up afterwards to the pastor or whoever is leading the group and tell them, well, you did this wrong. You know, that was better. You know, you could have worked on this. Like these are things that you should know and you should grow in and you should examine yourself with. And then in time and in relationships, you can uh, grow other people in those things. But this is not uh, some kind of weapon to wield against other people. So it's important that we frame all of those things on the front end um, because we're going to get into some interesting examples tonight and we're going to get into a lot of nitty gritty stuff. And the hope is that it's a blessing to you, uh, but I want you to also then be a blessing to other people with these things, not just um, the, the police. <laughs> so 
Um, with that being said, that's just kind of the introduction uh, to this thing. Um, I'll pause for questions, and if not, we can just kind of go right into the second session.